0: Matt, here at uh, Software Defined Talk, and there's one thing we're going to do. Is we're going to get to the bottom of this metric system once and for all. So as we have determined, Cote is not learning Celsius. And mm. as you have, were informing me in our extensive pre-show, mostly it's metric in Australia. But can yeah. you talk about, but there's the dollar store in Australia and, and they don't respect no. <laughs> the metric system? Like what's happening here?
1: Oh no, no. So, so Australia made the, the hard switch to metric. Not, not hard as in hard to do, but like, you know, everything went to metric at one point. And, um,
0: but this was a long time ago. This is not recently. Yeah. 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 So,
1: so, so, so you still have like, um, as, as we learned last episode, uh, the UK still, or at least England still using, uh, uh, some miles and, uh, uh, stone, which isn't metric uh, and the u s doesn't use that but um, the uh, <laughs> uh, Australia switched over, and so you never really find anybody who still um, talks about like weights and pounds or anything like that, but occasionally an old like an older uh, gent mate um, well, we'll say so, something about how much somebody weighs in stone, and <laughs> I, I have no idea how much stone is. I'm like, is that good? Are you overweight? Are you underweight? Do, do you need to eat more? Uh-
0: well, I like the word. I like stones just because it's. It the numbers are very small, right? It's like one stone is like 15 <laughs> pounds. So it just sounds like you're like, wow, you like really, you've like really lost some weight. You're in great shape. No, no, I'm just giving you my my weight in stones. That's all that really matters. So it's a it's what I would call a vanity metric at this point.
1: Oh, so so yeah, that that sounds good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but is it I, maybe I should go for stone? I was gonna say, uh, it's it, that seems very Australian, like where they just like they're like, guys, we're just gonna fix this problem. We're all switching over on Monday. That's the antithesis. That's maybe the biggest difference between Australia and the United States. The United States is like. Yep. Everybody agrees. There's a better way. And we are definitely well, not doing it right. That's, that's how <laughs> I <mean>, feel <definitely> like <laughs> that's the, the approach, the collective United States takes to everything. It's like, wow, that is a hundred percent better than what we're doing. And we will never switch. Whereas Australia's like, it yeah. looks like we have a problem here. We're all just going to switch on Monday and, and is everyone good? Yep. Everybody's good. And it just happens. So well, I mean, it must be nice.
1: Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, it's also a lot easier when, you know, I mean, I love Australia, but you, you know, you only have, you know, 23 million people or, or so. Um, and you know, with, with the U S they have a, a little more, uh, people, um, and a lot more set in their ways and a lot more wrapped around their, uh, their system of, of units and measures. I mean, there's a, uh, there's this, this weird discount store, uh, at, at a mall near me and, uh, I kind of wandered in there and I, you know they had amazing prices on office supplies because as far as i could tell like uh, some you know chinese uh cargo ship you know container ship must have you know knocked over on its way to america and unloaded here because everything in the store was in american units you know was in inches (laughs) and feet and you know uh my wife got some she bought some you know measuring cups there because they were in cups and not milliliters and you know it's just little things like that so um, it's it definitely kind of stands out, but uh, the, the Australians still keep a couple things. Like everybody knows if you say somebody six foot five, you know everybody knows what that is. See that's, you know, that's you know, the for difference. some reason heights. Yeah, nobody ever. You know, people still talk about like heights in feet and inches, and then they go back to you know oh you're you know 185 centimeters. Like that doesn't sound. That so doesn't like, sound like anything. As I say,
0: this seems like the, <laughs> the true difference, you know, between Australia and United States. Like, at least everyone in Australia is either willing or they just have to, like, learn other stuff. They're like, well, we have to be avail-. You know, we have to understand feet because people are just going to occasionally use it. Or just what you were saying before, like a container ship will just show up and headed for the US. So we'll just have to learn <laughs> these units. Whereas but the United that's where States the prices are so great. I was gonna say, but in the United States it's just like, no, we're not learning. Like turn that container ship around. We don't want to learn that, right? Or relabel it or some poor intern.
1: Yeah. <laughs> some
0: poor intern like, has to like do has the calculator and he's like, Oh my gosh, I gotta convert all this these meters to yeah. feet and so you know, Go sell that stuff in Mexico. But what about your children? So metric, right? your children, I mean, obviously different ages, like are, is one of them, I'm, I'm going to invent a new term, native metric. Is he like, think metric first now, like the youngest? <laughs> like, it sounds like your wife is, she's, she's not on board. She's like, home oh. holding the line. She's, she's like, like she
1: refuses <laughs> to learn Celsius. She's like, no. she's in the Cote no. category.
0: She's like, I, yeah. I just, I just need cups. I don't want to learn teaspoons and cups. I can't learn anything else.
1: Yeah. And you show up and you're like, I'll have a court. And they're like, what? <laughs> um, no, I, I mean, my kids definitely know meters. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they they probably know kilograms, uh, but I mean they definitely don't know stone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody knows that one. That one. That was just kicked out. I think that was that was retired a long time ago. I don't even think anyone in the U.S. knows stone. You start talking around stone, people. I don't think
1: they ever knew stone. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Hmm. All right well the you know the other big news here you know breaking news, uh, <laughs> the in, the, news. in the united States is uh Metrics you know is. we're no we're getting I was gonna say like we're, kids are getting out of school it's summer here so you know again like oh, yeah. you' you're opposite of course you're you're yes. you're getting ready for winter but uh you know do do your kids long for summer uh or not long for american no, we, summer and american summer american yeah. uh uh days off or did they, they completely yeah. converted over now?
1: Uh, it's definitely not like, you know, always winter here. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my, I think I'm going to speak for my kids here. Uh, we definitely like uh, the Australian system better um, instead of having, you know, a massive three months off or, you know, two and a half months off like they get in the U.S. They, they only have six weeks, but mm-hmm. they have two week breaks between every
0: uh oh, I like term. that. I'm in. Right? I'm in on this. Right? This is another thing. You know? Hey, let me speak yeah. for all of the United States. This is a hundred percent a better system, and we are never adopting it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, uh, we also got this thing called healthcare. Uh, never mind. <laughs> oh, Matt, don't listen.
0: This is a, this is not this podcast. That's another podcast. That's a different yes. podcast. That's not this one.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, definitely, you know, because because we've got uh, July, uh, we've got uh, two weeks coming up, and you know, we were like, well, uh, we can spend a week at home and a week on uh, traveling. And then October, it's like you know, hey, maybe we go do a three-day vacation here, a couple of days at home, and then another three-day vacation, you know, stuff like that. It's it's, it's pretty pretty solid because you know when when you have when you have just a massive long summer, it's like what are you gonna you know, it's hard to keep the kids entertained, you know, you it's just a lot of work.
0: <laughs> it is no summer is summer does end up with like a lot of camps, a lot of shuttling children around. I, I mean, I do, uh, I. I want the, these like two-week breaks and I've noticed just you know just as we've been recording this podcast if you guys both kote obviously in Europe and yourself in Australia it's like you, you've both seen I, I don't know if it's actually true but it feels like you both do take actually do take more vacation like you're you're doing more stuff like you have more more breaks where you're going to do you know actually do some family yeah. things so I don't I don't know how much of that is necessarily like obviously you you're not originally from either area, like how much of you, if you are quote embracing the culture or is it just as simple as like you have more time off, shorter breaks. So it's like, it's easier to do like family vacations. Is it, I mean, is it that simple?
1: Uh, probably both. Like, um, there's definitely Australia has a, a very, uh, travel focused. Um, you know, people take like long holidays, like everything's far away. So it's just like, Hey, go in here for a week. You know, people, head to Bali or head to uh, New Caledonia or, or you know New Zealand, you know, other places. And so they're like, oh yeah, you know, I'm taking a week off. Um, and travel is cheaper over here. Yeah. Um, so definitely, uh, definitely lean into that. And, and, and one of the things is, you know, I, when we moved over here, we weren't sure how long we were staying. So we, you know, we made a, a very strong focus to go on a lot of holidays. So, uh, you know, or at least like see as much as possible. So, you know around around sydney um every weekend we're trying to go out and do something right like we've hit almost all the tourist things there are to see and you know a lot of the third and fourth pages of tourist guides um but uh and 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 then you know it's like well now we need to hit everything that's within a two days drive that kind of stuff and you know so we're we're saturating the sydney area and then uh you know we've done new zealand we, we went to hong kong uh bali yeah i can't quite get the family into thailand uh, and vietnam and laos so i there might have been some uh intestinal discomfort come bali oh, but uh, i can see
0: yeah yeah that, that's all right well i think that's uh you know I, I think it's actually just watching you guys from afar a little bit it's like it's something maybe we can all learn from It's just like hey yeah just like do more stuff i almost feel like i after this podcast i'm gonna walk downstairs to the family and be like guys uh, we're it, let's act like we uh, actually were uh, expatriates, but we're just living in Austin, Texas. Now, let's just go do <laughs> a bunch more stuff. Like, let's take well, the time. Be like, it's hot. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's what it, especially especially here as we're in the middle of June, or as we start June, it, it is starting to get hot. But I just feel like, yeah, let's act like we're expats, and we're just living in Austin. Like, what would we do? And and uh, yeah. you're right no everyone would say it's too hot and uh, we want to stay and we, let's just turn up the air conditioning and stay inside so that, Man, that I don't mind, i'll try it well i'll report in in the next couple of weeks to see how my uh <laughs> my repatriation back to uh, austin texas is going if anyone has uh, taken me up on the honor well matt listen i'm calling this chaos week there's been a lot of chaotic news and we're going to talk yep. about a lot of it but before we do Maybe you've got some things uh, going on in your log files. Maybe there's a little chaos in your log files. Can you think of any tools or any solutions that may help you bring uh, order to log files? Uh,
1: I I can indeed. Uh, This episode is sponsored by SolarWinds and one of their APM tools, Logly. When there's a service disruption, seconds matter. Don't waste time looking for logs or combing through endless screens of events. Let Loggly aggregate, manage, and summarize your log data so you quickly spot issues, jump to the relevant event messages, and identify the root cause. Loggly streamlines troubleshooting with fast interactive search capabilities over massive log volumes, even across long time periods. Powerful analytics allow you to visualize your log data and spot trends and anomalies before there's an issue. With Loggly, you can spend less time troubleshooting and more time innovating. It's a scalable cloud-based log management system that won't break the bank. Learn more or try it for free for 14 days. Just go to logly.com slash sdt, all lowercase. That URL again, com slash sdt. If it logs, it can log to Logly.
0: And, of course, we thank SolarWinds for being such a great sponsor. So, as I was alluding to before we took a little ad break there, was, you know, it feels like there's a lot of chaos this week. And two things jump out. I think, one, there's some, uh, some news of Pivotal. They uh, announced earnings. The and I think we can say the stock market did not take kindly to it. And actually, right before we started re- recording here, uh, I put in the notes here: Cloudera plummets forty percent after CEO CEO abruptly departs the company and the company cuts its forecast. So, a couple things I think we should drill down in here. Like one, let's let's go the other way before we kind of dive into like maybe what we think is happening here. What is your experience if a company is you know suddenly experiences this like drastic change in earnings or a drastic stock market uh fall like in your experience like what should the rank and file employee do like is there something like you look back on like how should they approach it
1: Mm, mm. well i mean i have uh i have been places that have had some turmoil over the years i think uh i think the three of us uh worked at a company that um someone had the the gall to ask on an all hands company meeting if, uh, what they were going to do about our culture of layoffs. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, uh, there, there's kind of two things, uh, you know, always, always have something going on in the background. Right. I mean, you know, I, I, you always want to have like a side hustle or, you know, uh, just, you know, a a plan for if something bad happens. Um, and, you know, I mean, part of that is uh, you don't have to like have your resume in the hands of recruiters at all times, but just, you know, you work your network, you, you keep an eye out, uh, even when you're happy, you know, uh, keep your resume up to date. And if some, you know, random job comes in your inbox, you know, don't, don't feel afraid to interview for things, even if you're happy. Right. Um, just cause you know, you never know what's out there. You only live once, uh, you need to see the rest of the world, um,
0: Move move to australia
1: (laughs) yeah move to australia where they can't find you to fire you um but uh the other the other thing though is like you know you it gives you a chance to kind of reevaluate your relationship with the company and you know if, if you're not the one getting laid off um you know like i said we were at a company that uh people wondered if we had a culture of layoffs um you know you you get a chance to sit and and think like well, after this passes, you know, what do I need to do to stay? Do I want to stay? Um, and you just you know, keep working and keeping your head down if, if that's if that's how you, you know if, if 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 you can live with you know the changes, um, yeah, you know, that's what it is. But but really, uh, never never let your personal identity get too tied up in where you work. And I'm sure uh, you know you see a lot of uh, folks on Twitter. You know especially things like developer relations you know i I was a community manager uh, a long time ago, and you know when oh. i when I left, they didn't have a very strong transition plan for the for the next community manager, and that you know I put a lot of like emotional investment in that job and and then you know after that I was kind of like, huh, that's how it is right <laughs> uh, <laughs> so so now i now i mean. I, I very much enjoy my current job, and uh, you know, I'm very happy with my current employer. But uh, a lot less emotionally tied up in in
0: uh, what I do. And what you do, yeah. I think you're right. I think those are, it's probably the best bet. And I, you know, I often um, you know talk about the halo effect like at nauseum on this podcast. But I think sometimes you know one of the reasons I, I like the book is just for applying the situation is like sometimes things are just beyond your control, right? Like you can do a great job at your company, but you know, in the case of Cloudera, and you know, overall market factors, it's it's not always going to be within your control, and sometimes the the repercussions or consequences of those things, you know, may come down to you. But it's just, I think, to your point, like you just can't internalize it, right? It's just like, hey, right. there are just times where these things are beyond you. It doesn't mean that you can't, you don't come to work to do a good job. You don't want to come in and meet your objectives and you know do whatever you need to do but it's just there is times where it's okay to say listen you know we came in there's some macro i mean as much as cliche as it is right there are macroeconomic conditions that are simply beyond your control so it's like oh yeah you just you know you you kind of look at the situation you maybe reflect on it but uh, i always just tell people like don't internalize it that's the biggest thing it's not like necessarily like you are a bad person you've done something wrong or your company like you personally need to carry that weight around all the time. It's, you know, figure out if you can make the best out of the current situation. And if not, you know, just work hard on finding the next situation. So, uh, so I don't know. So I guess we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but I guess let's, let's dive into it and like talk a little bit. So Cloudera is the one that's kind of more interesting, because I think we talked about it a few, I guess it was a few months ago now, Cloudera, right, uh, bought Hadoop. I think we kind of talked about uh, that as HortonWorks. Uh, HortonWorks, they, they sorry. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, just like yes, yeah. you, no, they did not. This buy just in, Brandon,
1: you, you can't buy an open source product. <laughs> yes, thank <and> you,
0: can, <laughs> thank you, Matt. You can try. Thank you, you Matt. You can try. You can just send all the emails to uh, open source. at Software to find talk. We'll not get that. Uh, no, but yes, it was not. Uh, you can't buy. A, a, you cannot buy or sell Hadoop, but but yes, HortonWorks. So you know, I think what we talked about at the time, it kind of made sense, right? I think it was clear that you know the market could not sustain you know, two uh, competitors doing the same thing. So I I think, I don't know if I'll have to go back and listen, but I think we probably said, oh, this makes sense. They're bringing it together. But uh, even having done that, they clearly are not able to at least, you know, meet the revenue guidance that they set out. So I guess there's two questions to ask here. Like one, do we think uh, something specifically is going on in this market? Like is just the, the high scale database market, just not as big uh, as we want or is this actually because we've talked so much about it is this the the big bag wolf or the cloud providers really just kind of sucking up all the revenue and kind of leaving these open source in this case cloudera uh vendors out to dry like what do you think's happening
1: um you know when you when you dig in uh, mongo also had their earnings that you know missed expectations but when you read like the the the, the you know the performance that they're doing um they're not declining they're just not growing as fast as people expected um you know or you know they they had revenue projections that were higher than the previous years that they did not quite achieve right so you know some of these uh some of these are are saying like you know we were uh, you know we were going to make um you know we were going to make se- you know 74 Uh, 745 you know million dollars is what they made and they projected 835 yeah it's like well what did they make last year it's like well less than that right (laughs) (laughs) so it's like you know the macro trend levels are fine uh but um you know they're they're being punished for not um continuing to uh you know, grow geometrically or whatever um so uh, you know i I think you know mongo's uh, numbers were similar like they uh they you know they're atlas revenue skyrocketed more than more than 340 percent year over year and accounted for now 35 percent of revenue so um if the cloud is eating their lunch they're still making a lot of money eating you know the leftovers um and, and so you know and they're doing acquisitions and it's just you know their their revenue uh, you know, mongo's revenues surged 73 percent for year over year and it's like that sounds good but you know uh being, that's the perils of being a public company, right? (laughs) Yeah, and (laughs) I think this is, yeah, I was gonna say, this is, this
0: seems to be the same thing with Pivotal, it's, it's really the guidance is what is hurting the companies, it's not suddenly that, you know, the revenue, if you will, suddenly just, you know, dried up overnight, it was that the companies are basically putting in lower guidance, so, and I think this is, I mean, to your point, like, why this matters is this is, you know, all the stock market guys, right, they have this multiple, right, so, like, they're thinking, we're going to trade your stock is valued based on like what you're making today, but future earnings. Right. And then if we think it's going to grow a lot, we'll give you a higher multiple in in, in anticipation, right. Of those higher earnings. So when you come out and you say suddenly, well, we're not going to make that then there, you know, the stock market is taking this opportunity to like reset your expectations. And like, you know, if you will punish you by like lowering your stock price, but you're right. I mean, I think the actual operating models of the company haven't, significantly change. It's not like suddenly they have 50% less revenue. It just means they're not going to grow as much going forward. But it does usually right. have real consequences, right? Because most of the operating plans do uh, usually account for some type of growth and that's going to affect hiring and spending as well as oh, like sure. potential acquisitions. So you know, I think you do see eventually it will have some impact on the operating of the company. But in the short term, it's really just the stock market reacting. Um, but I don't know. You know. I kind of look at it uh, and I think, you know, this would be somebody else would say at this point, and I'm you know, listen, I'm not an expert in any stocks. I'm not going to tell you to buy or sell. But I think some people would also make the case that they were just overvalued to begin with. Right. And we see a lot of this like in the we'll call them like the, the more popular IPOs. Like there's a lot of people that think Uber is overvalued or Lyft's overvalued. Right. And those stocks have come down from their initial IPOs. So to some degree. Right. I guess we're seeing this, some of this reset happen kind of in the enterprise software space as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh... I mean, definitely don't come to our show for investing in advice <laughs> like i'm gonna you know tell you to invest in American dollar stores um, <laughs> they've got great stuff yeah um yeah they they do uh but 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 definitely yeah, that's the sad thing it is you know these companies are making a lot of money um, uh you know, I think at one point Pivotal had dropped to uh the the stock the public stock value. Um, you know, was only put them at, uh, you could buy the company uh, for three times earnings or something. You know, they had a, a very low multiple. Um, and so there were kind of rumors floating around that, you know, oh, well, maybe they might be an acquisition target. Um, <laughs> and, you know, which doesn't really make a lot of sense because my understanding is they're still majority owned by, you know, EMC or Michael Dell or, you know, one of those parent companies. And so that's, pretty unlikely but but unfortunately yeah it'll it will you know it, it it may affect their ability to hire um it may affect you know people may be laid off um you know it, it yeah i i think i enjoy being at a private company
0: <laughs> not, not having to <laughs> Even live these yeah
1: yeah well it's just that that quarter quarter to quarter you know uh just you know whiplash of you know Having having lived in a culture of layoffs, I'm done with that, right?
0: <laughs> um, yeah. <you know. sighs> yeah. Well, I think, you know, at the end, you know, the the broader question I do have is, like, as we think about the, the kind of the big three cloud vendors, right, AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, you know, the, the and, I, and I think this kind of gets into another, you know, news item this week, is like, I think Joyent, right, officially shut down their public cloud offering, right, so I don't... I got to be honest with you, didn't even know it was still up. So, so, uh, uh, but it just shows a couple of things that, that it does call out is like, you know, that clearly the market is moving to the public clouds, right? To play in this space, you have to have an immense amount of capital. Right. And so if we think about that, just kind of going forward, is that you're, I do think we are going to continue to see a revenue kind of accrue to these really, really the, the mega cloud vendors. Right. So yep. that's a question going forward. And I, um, And whether it's JoyIn or Cloudera or Pivotal, all these companies, I know Pivotal is a little different, right? It's obviously owned by Dell and that's a a popular place. But I think everyone's trying to figure out you know what is the best way to partner up with these major cloud vendors otherwise like you know in some ways it feels like you know every you know all like 99 percent of the revenue is going to end up there so like what you know if, if you will like how does the rest of the revenue get redistributed so i guess we're living through that in the next you know i don't know i don't know oh, when yeah. it started but like <laughs> maybe we're in the middle of it but you know i think we're just going to see this continuous kind of shifting of different software models and different economics as we go forward
1: yeah i mean you you definitely see some uh you have alliances between competitors, right? Where um, you may you may be the open source vendor offering some uh, as a service uh, independent, but you still need to partner closely with public clouds because that's where the action is. And um, you know, uh, there was an announcement that uh, Microsoft and Oracle were opening a uh, direct you know direct links between their public clouds. And you know, at first you're like public cloud to public cloud, but if my understanding of Oracle's public cloud is they make most of their money in their SaaS offerings, right? They've got, uh, uh, you know, some, some,
0: uh, HR yeah, applications,
1: HR you know? apps and, 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 uh, uh, you know, all that as a services and, and the nice thing about, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. As, as you use their public cloud, their APIs from their cloud instances into those offerings. And so they've actually got really good, <clears throat> you know, uh, technical bundling between you know their SaaS offerings and their their cloud offerings, but apparently uh, some of their customers would like to see that work with Azure too. So mm-hmm. I, I I think that's what's going behind uh, behind that story. But there's also been this week uh, yet another uh, license change.
0: <laughs> well, hold on, hold and, off before we s- get into this. I think on the Microsoft yeah, one, yeah. because I was t- I was talking to some people you know kind of uh, you know in the office right, and we were talking about. At- at first people, I think a lot of people were just very down on it. Like, this is just, some um, another partnership, nothing will become, will come of it. And, and I guess I made the point, like, I actually thought it was like pretty savvy move because, you know, having spent some time at like large enterprise vendors is like, there are just situations where customers can simply not leave certain software packages or certain software vendors. Like, I know right. we all want to think that Anything can be moved, lift and shift. Everything's moving to the cloud, transformation, you know, all of that, right? But there are just times, and I think there are many examples, whether it be mainframe software, um, monitoring software security stuff, that it just, I mean, it literally almost becomes like the spine of a company. Like, we can't just pull this out, right? And I think, you know, even AWS um, took, uh, I think it took them a lot of effort to get Oracle out of their systems, right? Even, you know, even they, right? And they, you know, they're probably, you know... The, still the, talking about it yeah and it's it 's <laughs> clearly it 's a huge effort, right, and I think that 's why they celebrated it so much like it, t- it takes a lot of effort to get out of there so So I do look at this and look at you know the portfolio software that Oracle has, right whether it be the HR applications, Oracle financials, and then of course just the database themselves it 's like i i don 't know all the details, of course, but I can understand there being an Oracle uh, base of customers who simply it's just not an option for them to move Now, at the same time they right. do want to embrace public cloud. Vendors, they want to start doing things in the public cloud, and I can see what those customers are saying, "Like, we're not going to use, you know, the Oracle uh, generalized what, OCI right uh, cloud for everything, uh, but we do want to keep these applications here, and we really need you to partner with one of these other cloud vendors." And so, mm-hmm. so in this case, I mean, obviously, Microsoft and Oracle compete a lot on the database side, yep. and I'm sure they compete in a lot of other places too. But it does make sense to me, and I think if you're Oracle, you know, even if. You know, and we talked about like how much money, how difficult it is to compete in this area. So I, I don't, I believe Oracle has a lot of money. I know they're going to invest in it, but you know, that doesn't happen overnight. So I think there is some realization that like, even if they're going to want one day want to be on the same level as like an AWS or Azure, that it's going to take a couple of years to get there. So, why not do a partnership like this right now and make your very largest enterprise customers happy? Um, yeah. Like I, I actually think it's a you know a very pragmatic and practical move. I don't know in practice, like we'll see going forward how much it works, but on the face of it, I'm actually look at this like this helps a, a certain set of customers probably pretty significantly.
1: Well, and and I think most of the large legacy, uh, I guess legacy is the wrong word, but you know traditional enterprise players are having to make these sorts of deals, right? You, you see uh, companies like, you know, IBM and HPE, you know, managing services on AWS um, or Azure or, you know, GCP. Um, because if they don't, their customers are going to, you know, leave faster. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's really, you know, can you can you hold on to those customers, you know, re, reinvigorate your relationship with them and, and keep keep them happy to the point where, you know, uh, rather than ditch you completely, you're part of the story going forward. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of the key.
0: Well, I think too, you know, I think we've talked a lot about in the past announcements around VMware, you know, VMware has done, you know, pretty much deals with all the major cloud vendors. And I think that's a good example. Like, I don't, I don't think any of us criticize that, that, and if you look at, you know, I think there was a time maybe early on, you know, there's like, Hey, you don't need VMware, right? That's sort of like, everything's just going to move to the cloud and it's going to run and something different right we're not going to license vmware anymore but in practice you know both for the vmware customer basis which is uh, pretty much everyone and the cloud <laughs> vendors uh it does make a lot of sense to work together on this and like again like we'll play out like there's sort of the short term right that i think this does the best thing for the customers and probably allows both companies to keep making significant revenue and then you know the the whether the horizon's five years or ten years out you know we'll see what happens if those companies you know, ultimately, you know, continue to grow and build new products or they become more like the cash cows? Because I think the one the one thing I will predict, you know, here on Software Find Talk is like, you know, VMware's not going anywhere. VMware is going to be around for a long, long time. Right. So whether or not it grows at the the, the rate it has always grown at, and it's probably a different question than like, will it be something you have to manage in a data centers five years from now, 10 years mm-hmm. like now? Like as we talked about on a few episodes at legacy conf. VMware will always have a track at Legacy Conference at our... Uh, they are a platinum sponsor. <laughs> they will be a platinum sponsor going forward. So so we'll, we'll see what happens here. But hey, but you were, uh, before I cut you off, you, you were talking about some new licensing models. So what's the latest in the world of everybody's favorite topic, open source licensing? Oh,
1: boy. What, what a great week for licensing. Um, so yeah, uh, Cockroach Labs announced that they are relicensing CockroachDB. Uh, they... Currently are an apache uh, license version two uh, that's how their software is, and they are adopting the business source license, which um, I believe came out of uh who came out uh, anyways some other open source company came up with that one first and what it essentially says is you can use this software as Apache software. Um however you want, unless you are running a database as a service, and then you can't right. uh unless you license directly from us.
0: So that means and, unless you are AWS, Azure, Google Cloud, or one of the other cloud platform uh providers.
1: Right. Well and, and and I'm sure that gets that can get kind of uh uh kind of fuzzy, 'cause what if you're a managed service provider? Right. Right. You know, yeah. if you have a customer who shows up and says, you know, oh, I need a, you know, I want you to give us some database service with, you know, all these VMs you're hosting. And like, well, it's not public, but you know, it's still private. Um, and then, and then the the wrinkle on it is they say after any of the software ex, uh, that license expires after three years, so then it goes full Apache. Um, you know, so they 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 didn't want to switch to uh, a more restrictive. You know GPL license that required um, distribution of changes, which uh, also scares people off. If uh, if you go for you know an Afero license, uh, the GPL v3, a GPL v3 um, keeps keeps your uh, past competitors away, but uh, they're sticking with this. So, um, and, and which has led to a lot of really uh, good Twitter threads uh, by <laughs> folks like uh, you know Adam Jacob and Stephen O'Grady talking about this is you know this is just kind of dancing around the issue like there you know if the, they're they're definitely prepared to make substantial bets that no cloud vendors will take them up on their offer of licensing um you know i could see smaller msps going for it uh but you know if you're running this kind of stuff at scale you're not going to go for um giving someone else a cut of something you can probably run with you know uh, the scale you're running at makes licensing probably prohibitive. But you know, they, did they well, say?
0: Um, I was following a little bit on Twitter, so I didn't. I didn't go all the way down the thread, so I maybe missed it. But Google seems the the only one. Right? Google, as we talked about, I think back at the Google Cloud conference, right? They have offered up at least for some select group of open source providers, right? Some kind of licensing well, model, putting them in the like. I'm like they don't call it an app store, but essentially making it available on the Google Cloud platform and making sure that the customers get support through Google, but the, the open source project is compensated in some way. So I don't know. Did they touch on that at all? Uh,
1: not really. Um, and, and, and I, I was kind of thinking about that a bit, like does Google offer managed offerings of other people's software? I don't think they do. all the Google services are actually Google services, right? They, they have like SQL as a service. It's not like, you know, RDS Postgres, RDS, MySQL. Mm-hmm. Um It's, you know, Google's got their secret sauce, and it might have a MySQL compatibility layer or Postgres compatibility layer, but it's not Postgres under the covers. Right. Right. And and their other services, they're not taking open source projects and you know white labeling them. They they you know good or bad write all their own stuff, and I think generally it, it's pretty good. I've been using some GCP this week, but uh, I I think that's why they do that. And and you know and and at the same time, uh, I would hazard a guess that you know some of these competing services are hosted on the platforms they compete with, right? right. So if you if, if you go for Mongo Atlas, it's probably on AWS or Azure. Um, you know, if you go for uh, you know um, you know so uh, ho- Elastic Search as a service, it, you know again. Do they have a pri- a public cloud that they're managing their own stuff, and they've got a data center that they're, that they're exposing to the internet? Probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, th- I think you know, the Google case is different because I think they they you know they run a lot of their own stuff as their backends. So having other people on your on top of your cloud, sure, whatever. You know, we're not actually competing Elasticsearch to Elasticsearch.
0: Yeah. I don't I think the, the ultimate, you know, end game here is just like, you know, the li- I guess let me say it more simply. It's like licensing isn't enough. Like at the end of the day, I don't think <laughs> these licensing models either way. Like it's, I, you know, I just don't uh, get worked up either way. Like it's fine that they want to do this. I just don't think it ultimately will have like a big impact on the outcome of a company. Right. Like it just kind of comes back to, you know, I guess we can go back and re-recommend the Adam Jacob podcast or probably that we've talked about it many times is that at the end of the day, you know, you got to have something better and there's lots of ways to be better. I think of Adam Jacob here to channel him, he would say something like, you know, there's a stronger community. It's a brand, right. That people want to be a part of, right. That they feel like that's when they say they're using product X, they want to use that specific product and be a part of that community and make that better. Um, and they're willing, like being part of that community or getting additional functionality or, you know, just using that is, is enough for that company to like, you know, if you will, win over a whole marketplace or it's not right. Or it's just becomes a commodity. It's just like, yeah, it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter to me. I don't even know the name of the underlying technology. All I need to know is that uh, certain APIs are supported and I don't care another thing about it. Well, if if that's the case you're in, then you you probably just don't have a defensible market. So the licensing model at the end end of the day, you know, just feels irrelevant to the long, to the much larger discussion, even though um, it gets written about so much.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there will be uh, the the chef changing. You know, their distribution model will uh, definitely be something to talk about in the future when when numbers are public. But uh, you know, it's actually been pretty positive. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think monkeying around with licenses is going to protect them from their cloud competitors. Uh, you know, but. I keep on trying, I guess. <laughs> we'll <see what> <laughs> it
0: does feel like, you know, the different conversations that happen at different levels of companies, it, you know, when you're, um, you know, in the, the board meeting, the venture capital meeting, the executive meeting, I think it's very easy for people to intellectually, you know, kind of come up with these ideas like, Oh, we have to prevent this, you know? And, and then mm-hmm. they, they kind of feel like these legal remedies or these licenses is, is I think a natural place to like let your imagination go to, but it, it does sort of like just kind of miss out on the fact of like, Guys, at the end of the day, right, it's like, do we have a better product? Do we have an offering? Do we have a community people want to be a part of that want to support? And do we have customers that, you know, do want to pay us, you know, for this yeah. for whatever it is that you're providing, right? Um, and, you know, that it's a harder question to answer. It's like, it's not simple. It's not like, oh, we'll just do this thing, right? It's more like, you know, you have to kind of be on the ground. And so much, you know, I, I like to say this all the time that, you know, the answers are usually out there. It's just like, do you want to go walk around and ask the questions? So Like, you want to get out of the boardroom? Go to the conferences, talk to the employees, talk to the, the customers and like really understand, like, why did they buy you? What's going on, right? Do they treat you as a commodity or they treat you as like a strategic partner? And that's a little bit of a cliche, but do they just do they know what you provide and why they want to continue to use them? And, you know, licensing does not answer that question. It will never answer no. that question, no matter how many people want it to. Like, I know everybody <laughs> wants it to be. In fact, we've had some experience in our our time matt so i think we should speak uh I'll at least for, speak for myself here it's like yeah we've worked at companies where like yeah we thought the licensing mattered a lot right <laughs> and it, you know it didn't it didn't matter as much as we wanted it to well, so I mean, so learn from us
1: yes yes learn, learn from our many mistakes um i mean licensing is not going to coerce somebody who's making money off your software into giving you that money um or or even you know you know contributing back to you uh you know, it'll prevent distribution and, and usage if that's your goal, um, but that doesn't mean you're going to make money. It Just means somebody's not using your software. Uh, and, and an interesting example of that was uh, macOS 15 was announced this week, um, and they're they're switching from Bash to Z shell, and that might sound fairly innocuous, uh, and and it is. I mean, at a technical level, um, they're not that different, mm-hmm. uh, but. Apple has been shipping the 2007 version of bash, uh, Yeah, you know, so so here we are. Is not there just 12. one guy?
0: Isn't this doesn't uh, was it Jesse Fre- Isn't there just like one guy? Wasn't she one pointing on? She's like there's just one guy working on Bash now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe. Maybe, you know. Um I thought you were going to say one guy working on uh, the software uh, J- Jesse Bash- Basher.
0: No, Jesse um, <laughs> Fozell, I think I'm, I yeah, yeah, I am no, pretty she, named, yeah, she think was she...
1: commenting on it. I thought you were saying like Bash shell was named after no, some no, guy no, named No. Bash. No. Uh Corn shell is, but anyway um so yeah apple's been shipping you know bash from 2007 because that was the last version with the gpl v2 and when they switched to the v3 apple's like no not having it and they've been over the last you know 12 years since the license changes started kind of going in they've been aggressively removing gpl software out of their stack Uh uh-huh um and so the the Z shell as default is the latest iteration of it because it's a licensed MIT. It's like you know, I don't think the bash people were trying to extract money from Apple, but you know the license change did not make Apple want to use it more
0: right so what does that mean? <laughs> I guess you can still just you can still just put it on there, right? It's not like you can't Oh yeah, you yeah, can't it's, I mean, it's you're not there. locked out or anything right no
1: no 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 and and like you know it's it's definitely still there um and and they'll continue to ship it it's just not the default anymore and you know we know how defaults work That's right, right.
0: <laughs> a whole new generation of up-and-coming uh, software people will learn z-shell and then you know yeah
1: i mean and- i there's probably this massive spike in google searches of bash versus z-shell um <laughs> you know by people like me who are like what am i gonna have to learn now um because you know I use the the homebrew version of Bash because I needed a newer Bash.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Bash and, really is. It's like its own, I don't even know what we call it, its own language. It's like its own weird, good. uh has some, I don't know, it's like Emacs, man. It's like, it's uh, like there's a lot of this like weird codependency between uh, like a, a certain group of technical people and uh, their command line utilities and their editors. It's okay. Uh, we'll all learn something. Peterson. We'll all yep. learn something different. All right, right, well, let's go because we're going to go into our, our extensive uh, Apple review because you know, I'm sure you watched the entire keynote and you know everything. So, so the important <laughs> thing is like uh, Bash is gone, so that's good to know. The other thing is, what was your take? I don't know. Did you see Apple? I thought this was an interesting move. Did you see? I, there's a bunch of announcements, of course. We, you know Many of podcasts cover it better than us, so go listen to them. But the ones I thought yeah, were interesting yeah. was uh, you know, the whole uh, sign-in. So did you see Apple's uh, introducing their own social sign-in? And I thought this was an unbelievable flex, right? They, they say that if you have social sign in on your app, which basically means Google or Facebook, uh, that if, if your app has that, that you must, uh, support Apple's, uh, essentially single sign on service. So I don't know. What, what do you make of that? Is that like a good thing? A bad thing? Is that a- Apple like, you know, overplaying its hand?
1: No, I think, I think, um, the market, the, you know, Apple users are a, uh, influential segment of the market and you know it's a it's probably a good thing i mean i'm not i obviously use a mac um i have a a bunch of mac laptops but uh i'm not an iphone user but apple's stance on things like privacy and um you know protecting their customers versus exploiting them i gotta you know i i think it's generally they head in the right direction uh more than um, a lot of other folks. And so uh, I say kudos to them.
0: Yeah. Well, I do yeah. think I like it sometimes. You know, we talk so much about strategy. It's sort of the opposite of the strategy tax, it's like the strategy halo. It's because I think normally if a company comes out and just says, okay, now everybody has to do this, even though they're competing services, I think often people look at that with some skepticism. But because it's Apple and because it's privacy, I, I, you know, in this case, it does feel like the benevolent dictator. It's like, yeah, this would probably be good to have another option here. Uh, with a company that 's explicitly said we 're going to let you control who has access to it And i don 't know if you looked at it they actually will even allow you to like select what information you want to mm-hmm. share with them, and then you they 'll do um, you know the idea they 'll give you an anonymized email address so if you don 't want to share like your gmail they 'll like create some like you know random uh, mail uh, apple mail address for you and then you know, that 's like all that the company knows now I will say I, I like it I listen, I like it, of course, I think it's a good option, but I as someone who's spent far too much time <laughs> in identity management and looking at uh, you know linking accounts, the unintended consequences here are, are less about security. They're more about like you as a person. It's like eventually it's possible that you and that service provider will need to communicate directly, and sometimes having like an obfuscated email in between can make your life much harder. Than it is actually protecting you. So, you know, i I have generally like I have generally avoided social sign ons just because of this. And I will I'm usually happy enough to just use my real email address and just use a password manager to like have mm-hmm. a different password for each one because. You know, just account linking in general, right? Like once you've linked accounts and you have this, this, uh, this other piece of information in between, uh, I mean, it usually works fine. But there are times where you you can be incredibly frustrated, like you know, you need to call customer service, or you need to, for some reason, type in the email address, but you're not sure where it is, or you lost it, or you have to log into iCloud to see what that uh, weird looking email address is. So. So I would caution people as you kind of embrace that private email address, like, you know, just know what you're getting into. It may make your life harder in some places. So I, I'm, I still kind of maintain, I, th- I think I'm still going with my own, pro- my own little mini process here. of Password manager, always just sign up directly with the the specific service provider. Use a real email address and then, you know, always have a different password for each one. So that's not going to be my recommendation. I don't know. What are you going to do, Matt? you going to make any changes?
1: Uh, well, I'm not going to go get an iPhone yet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, but, but definitely the only wrinkle I add to that is, uh, if, if the, if the company or website that you're creating logins for, um, allows you to, uh, use pluses in your emails. If you're using Gmail, you can use, you know, like you could, you know, you're, if you're Brandon or bewitchered or, you know, software defined talk at Gmail, you can add a plus, something before they add gmail and you know you know that that's where that email address went and you know unless they are actively trying to uh you know spam you they're not going to go up and clean clean up their email addresses so you know you know where that email address get goes around um i don't know it makes me feel better Yeah. Um, and and you can always well i like
0: that if you're gonna do it right i think the fact that you don't make it totally random the fact that you know you use like a gmail with a little bit of a just a slight, whatever, plus usually. I usually do something like plus the the name of the company or the URL of the company mm-hmm. or something. Yep. So, I mean, I think that gives you some indirection. And it also lets you, like... You know, it makes it human readable. Like, you know, there's a chance you'll remember that, right? And there's a chance that you can, like, oh, okay, yeah. I just I'm, when I'm talking to customer support, oh, I need to tell them it's this email address, and the support person may figure that out themselves. So it's just yeah. <laughs> it can be hard when you just have like a really totally anonymized. And then of course, like you know, kind of getting into spam and you know, things getting filtered out. It's like, you know, because as companies, I guess on the other side of this is like if you start to use a lot of these email addresses, companies at times they always want your work email or something like. So if it's something you really care about you know, you may need to make sure you give them an email that they don't think is spam either, right? That they think is legitimate too. So I think there's going to be some like feeling out of all of this, how it all works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing, and I've been using the the plus email scheme for I don't know, a long time and nobody's actually spammed on them.
0: <laughs> yeah. What well, is so, nice? So Cause when, well, when they are, I mean, it's easy to find, right? And you're like, oh, okay. uh, yeah. I mean, I know, that's, what, that's I know exactly what to of... do here.
1: Yeah, but that's not the source of like your spam. You know, yeah. there's, it's not hard to get your email address. Yeah, so. well, that's
0: what I think too. Is I also think Gmail, which is, I feel like we're all using. You know, it's pretty good at the spam side. Like I actually feel like it's, you know, I don't. Get I hope a lot it is because but... I don't
1: look in the spam folder. <laughs>
0: I, I feel like it, <laughs> very rarely am I in the spam folder, and so I, I, I don't know. That is one of those. Uh, you know, Google does have occasionally they have some magic, right? It's like the search. When I first saw the search, I felt like magic. And when they rolled out the span detection, that felt like magic as well. Of course, it's just statistics. So, you know, you, you choose whatever. Statistics, ma- magic, you know, it's all the same to me. So, um, well, the other thing I think we should talk about on the Apple front was uh, if you did watch the keynote. keynote yeah. it's uh, you, I didn't watch it, but I read it. Yeah, well, I think the part that I thought was interesting to talk about just as a pr- someone that has had to deal with pricing a lot in his life um, you know, they obviously rolled out the new uh, Mac Pro. It's a cool yep. machine. It's crazy. It, you know, essentially, it can, you know, do all kinds of crazy stuff. And you should watch the demo. They had, like, I don't know, several hundred instruments all, like, in garage, or not garage, uh, in their, uh, whatever, music app. And it was just like, wow, I can't believe it's all working. And someone who's edited audio, it's like, oh, wow. Like, I can't imagine even having that many tracks. But, but I, I just want to go to where the monitor you know, so they announced the the Mac. I think it was five ninety nine. It's very expensive. The machine's big, but that seems like typical for Apple. And then I, I just I thought the thing that was interesting to talk about was when they introduced the monitor. You know, they did this thing that is I think well known in uh, behavioral psychology. It's about anchoring. So, like, if I'm trying to sell you something, I'm going to anchor your mind at a price point. Um, so, you, mm-hmm. and they did something. They they said that you know reference monitors, which I have to say. 30 seconds before they said it, I didn't even know what it was. A reference monitor is a very high-end calibrated monitor I think like movie studios use, or I don't know, people. And so they said like a reference monitor is like $50,000, right? And so then they go in and they introduce the Apple monitor, and they explain how big it is and how many pixels it is. and, And it looks fantastic. I have to say, it looks like it will be a great monitor. And so they announced the price of that. I thought they did a good job because they gave us a reference point of forty five thousand so dollars. They're basically saying you're getting something similar. And I think it came in at four ninety nine was the starting part for the monitor. Uh, and then five ninety nine if you wanted like some some of the coding. It could be all five thousand dollars. So again, it's very expensive, but again, it's yeah, Apple. Yeah, yeah.
1: Not 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 $599. $599. <laughs> yeah, five ninety
0: nine. Yeah, almost six grand. But you're like, okay, this is super <laughs> expensive. And but you're kinda like, probably not for me, right? Or certainly like need my company to buy this, right? So so that part, but I, I do think they did a good job anchoring the mind as like, well, if people are paying $45,000 for a monitor and then this one's only $6,000, like, okay, I could see if that's in your market. That feels like a good thing. But the stand, okay. The stand is where like if you're never watched the keynote, you should just watch this one point. Um, because at this point, like you're just assuming, of course, this thing comes because they're showing, they actually demo this like great stand. It has all these ways to move it. And you're just, the assumption is like you just get that, right? Like you buy a monitor, You get a stand like there's never been a time uh, that I know of unless you buy a monitor off Craigslist where they say stand not included. Right. You just like your mind is anchored that like a monitor comes with a stand. So they show you the stand and they then put up a, they put up a picture of the stand and I thought they were just like wrapping the presentation up, right? You're just literally, and then they put a price next to it and the stand was a thousand dollars, right? Which is not news. Probably everyone knows that. But if you haven't, you need to watch the video. There's an, uh, an audio gas of the audience. Like, like, I mean, like almost (laughs) as if like, it's like a horror movie, you know, where like the slasher comes out. It was like, (gasps) I mean, people like literally, I mean, you could tell like everyone was processing simultaneously, like. Like the stand doesn't come with the monitor and it's a thousand dollars, right? And so I don't forgot his name, but the person that did he did a very good job presenting the whole monitor at the end, you're like, but you could see, I I, I don't know, I don't know if they tested it or not because he was a little taken back even, like, because, like, when the gas happened, like, I think he was just, like, not prepared for it. I mean, I don't think anyone was prepared for it. And, and so he's, he, um, and and I'm guilty of this, too. Like, when you get a little nervous, maybe you talk a little faster. So he just finished up, like, his last few lines and just, like, just, I mean, he didn't run, but it felt like just got off the stage, and then he's like, and now back to Tim, and then Tim Cook comes out. And I think even Tim, I think Tim was, like, was was in, like, full force transition uh from that to. I think they w- went right into that. They went into to uh, another section, maybe it was like Mac OS, but uh, it was shocking, and I will say, so it was interesting to see Apple start with a great uh, use of anchoring, right? getting us prepared, 45,000, so then our our, our 6,000 monitor doesn't seem crazy, but they did nothing to prepare us that a stand would cost a thousand dollars and I, I even now i am just like i i'm interested to see you guys i would love to be in uh you know the debrief you know like it's almost like the blameless post-mortem like i think there would yes. be some blame going here like if i was the guy presenting is like you screwed me on this whoever put this price on here you screwed me. We should have either not set it or not price it or just like built more. I mean, cause that's $6,000. What's an, I mean, fine. What's another $800. It just loaded in there. Right. I mean, yeah, uh, right. but I just, because I was just, I, again, I had never seen, um, uh, <laughs> never seen like the audience, even for Apple. And we're all prepped that Apple is going to be expensive gear. I, I feel yeah. like maybe they're going to have in the postmortem. They're like, guys, I think we went, I think we did that wrong. <laughs> no, it's like, we may have gone too far. Like we know the stand is really good, but maybe next time it's just a piece of metal that we just ship with the product, right? And just make it <laughs> as simple as that. So, uh, well, so it's fun to watch.
1: So, so, so literally, if you buy the 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 four nine nine, the the five thousand dollar version, if you buy that, you just get a, a monitor that li- lies on the ground.
0: Yeah. So it's two hundred dollars <laughs> for the. Uh, I learned. I guess I have the, been saying so Visa. Vesa, right? Yeah, but I guess it's Vesa. I guess they were all I saying. Went. I don't know. I, they were pronouncing it differently. I never heard it. But yeah, so it's $200 for the mount, which, you know, when you, when they, they actually said that first and you're like, that seems expensive, but like, okay, whatever. I don't really need one. Those those
1: mounts. Yeah. Yeah, you're like, "Eh, yeah.
0: It's not crazy. It isn't. It wasn't crazy. You're just like, okay, whatever. You know, if I needed one, I could get it for 200 bucks. But like, you're not thinking, you're thinking you're going to have a stand. But yeah, as the, as described, this monitor just shows up. I guess it's more like a TV. Well, even the t- most flat-panel TVs, they come with some kind of stand. They're going to have a cheap uh, plastic Yeah, I mean, they have something. Up. Yeah, so I guess you literally I mean, just...
1: It's, you know, it's, it's, I'm going to buy a $5,000 monitor, and then it's going to be leaning against the wall with cardboard boxes holding I, it up Someone's
0: going to make this mistake. I, I think for sure someone is going to order this, thinking like, oh, it, just, it has it, something in it, right? I, just don't, it, I don't want the upgraded What you
1: stand. do is you, know, you, you put it on the site for 6000 and then you have a, a, you know, a, a VESA-only option and it knocks 800 off that's much smarter right
0: <laughs> i I, <sighs> I was it is i mean so if you know for anybody who's ever priced anything who's ever tried to like you know it's a difficult thing to figure out what people will pay generally people will can, always stay, say things are too expensive um and so you know you always are combating like yes they are you know, yes i understand because you know it, they talk about the line psychology like The number one thing you're trying to do when you're trying to buy anything is like as a consumer in your mind, you're just like, can I just not spend anything? Can I not get it? You're trying to convince yourself of not parting with your money, right? So so it's very normal for people to – say things are expensive right but but in this case I was like man these guys have gone uh, I felt like they tripped the line on this one I was like they they yeah. they went a little too far so I don't know we'll see we'll see if um if anyone buys it well let me know when you get your six thousand uh, dollar monitor Matt because that's uh, uh, <laughs>
1: yeah uh, I, I've got you know monitors held up with cardboard boxes in my house so probably not
0: <laughs> absolutely uh, well, one other thing we'll touch on and we get out of here is like, I think, you know, we'll, we'll go out because we said it was chaos week, but let's go out on some good news. So people sometimes ask me like, man, why are there so many enterprise companies? Like, why is there so much infrastructure software? Well, the answer to that would be things like uh, Looker. So Looker uh, was acquired today by Google for $2.6 billion. So that is why, like, it doesn't happen all the time, but like when you start one of these companies, that's always the dream. So I can't say I really looked at this that much. I don't know that much about Looker, but I think we should say congratulations to them, and hopefully, you know, hopefully they're going to make the, uh, the the Google uh, Cloud just a little bit better. I don't know. What was your take? Any take on, on Looker?
1: You know, I think uh, I think I probably drank some beer over theirs at a meetup <laughs> once or twice, but. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, looker!
0: Way to go, guys! Way to go! Congratulations to, go. to them! And you know, yeah. we sh- we should now go read about them. Now that you're worth two point six billion dollars, you know we need to go. Well, go... it's too late. Right? Well, that's true. But we should at least know what they do. We need to learn more about it. But I was like, I don't know. I just you know sometimes, yes. hey, hey, it just happens. And final uh, final news of the week. I'll just I'll just say it because there's some talk in the Slack channel. Yeah, Microsoft is uh, they launched an X- Xbox body wash. Evidently, it's only available in <laughs> Australia, Matt. So uh, really. Yeah, it's uh, under uh, like a different brand. Uh it's uh so in the US it's known like, as Axe. That's it, our oh, the brand, no. but in uh in down under they got a different brand for it. So you're going to you're going to have to be the one that goes to the store uh, like, and somehow like, finds it.
1: Yeah, living living near a uh, uh, a part of town that that has a, a lot of the youths. There's definitely X Body Spray in this country.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is. I think it's under uh, yes. Lynx line, is what they call it, L-Y-N-X. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that's what, in Australia, you can buy Xbox Body Wash under the Lynx brand. Don't say we don't cover all the important news here on Software Defined Talk.
1: Yeah, yeah. so uh, listeners, uh, just a heads up, i not going to wear the uh, Xbox Body Spray. <laughs> I don't know. I am not going to you know, to go that extra length uh, for, for the listeners. Um, Yeah, I don't really want to smell like a sweaty gamer. <laughs> That's right.
0: Well, Matt, you could have learned about the Xbox Body Spray if you had joined the Software Defined Talk Slack, where there was actually quite a discussion about, like, is this real? Is it serious? Yes. Yes, it was actually real. And, of course, uh, there was a, a, a vibrant discussion, I think, about uh, the metric system as well. So, I mean, we covered it all. Uh, lot, lots of good stuff in the Software Defined Talk Slack. So how could you uh, join it? Well, it's pretty easy. Just go to softwaredefinedtalk.com, click on the Slack icon there, and then put in your email address. No SSH, JJ hooked us up, so put in your email address. You'll get an automatic invite, and then you can get in there. And you can find out all kinds of in- good information. And this week, one of the important things someone posted was a uh, job. So we were talking about jobs earlier. So I guess there's a director of product opening. I don't know how to say it correctly. So I'm going to say it's uh, Populu. It's up in Waltham, sure. so uh, that looks like a good company. And if you were in the you software, right. <laughs> If you're in the software-defined talk slack, you could you could talk to the guy that posted it, and you can even say he'd probably put your resume in, right? So Matt Matt gave us advice earlier: always be looking, always be networking, even if you're happy. So get in the slack, find yourself some jobs, um, and then if Cote were here, he would tell you to go to some uh, DevOps days. I think there's one, what up in Minneapolis? Minneapolis, it's August 6th and 7th, and you can get fifty dollars off with the code SDT 2019. And then, Kote, uh, I would tell you to go to uh, one of the upcoming Spring One tours. So it looks like you still have time to go to the one in Atlanta, so June 13th and 14th. And I'm sure there there's a go. bunch of other uh, U.S. cities. What about you, Matt? You got any, anything pe- anywhere people should go? Um.
1: Well, uh, ChefConf London's coming up. Uh, sadly, I will not be there, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, June 19th and 20th in London, uh, which, you yeah. know, gonna be a good time gonna be a lot of uh chef community folks there and uh check it out
0: all right cool what about recommendations matt you, you got a recommendation for us this week
1: uh yeah so my recommendation i guess is kind of retro um i uh i i haven't always been able to keep up on all the tv shows and, and the whatnot but i i just started watching um
0: <laughs> you just started watching oh, something tension, really, really good.
1: Uh, Deadwood. Um, yeah. oh, I did not watch Deadwood. Long back time. In the day. Yeah. That's yes. a good one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I didn't. And, and, you know, I was like, I should watch Deadwood, right? I've I, uh, been on a off and on Western kick, you know, revisiting uh, The Unforgivens and Tombstones and never watched Deadwood. And I was like, well, you know, at least it's three seasons and then start watching it. And there's a Deadwood movie that came out this week.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. uh,
1: uh, I have something to look forward to after I finish the the three seasons of Deadwood, yeah, which man. I'm enjoying Deadwood, quite a lot.
0: Really good. It's a good show. I think it does take you got to watch a couple of episodes, kind of get the dialogue. The dialogue. Can oh get yeah, a no, little. I got the dialogue. You got it. All right. Well, it's a little.
1: Um, I, I it, it's it's salty. But uh, I'm gonna stick with calling people hoopleheads, so <laughs> <That's> <laughs> that one that one that'll be my takeaway from the show.
0: Yeah, this is not none, something none, I have none
1: of the other words.
0: I was gonna say uh, at least the first few episodes. this is not something you want to watch when you're like you have your phone on and you're like not paying attention so you need to pay attention to like know what's going on and uh, follow. yeah, the writing is is I mean it's basically incredible. I don't know how somebody came up. Uh, I don't know. It just seems incredible that people can write that and then memorize it. And it's just really well acted. So, yeah, it's a hot. I totally recommend that one as well. Um, well, a couple other things you can do. Uh, you know, Matt. We do give out stickers, and we send them around the world. So if you would like a laptop sticker, send your postal address to stickers at softwaredefinedtalk.com, and I will send you a sticker. If you're into the social stuff, we've got it all. We've got Twitter. We've got Instagram. We've got LinkedIn. We even got Facebook somewhere. So follow us on one of those favorite ones. I've even been posting uh, little short clips from the show. So I don't know. Let me know if you like this. If you like them, uh, check them out. Uh, Kote's got a book, The Digital WTF. I Will Let You Decide what WTF really stands for. He wants you to buy it. It's cost $5. It's good. The future. (laughs) It's good. There's been some good recommendations in the Slack and on the site. So, so uh, check that out as well. Uh, My
1: recommendation, what's your recommendation?
0: Thank you, Matt. (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, My recommendation is a new podcast called the land or this land kind of interesting. So it starts out with a murder, which honestly is not that central to the story, but here, over here in the United States, the, the, The murder actually looks like it potentially took place on an Indian reservation in Oklahoma, um, but there's some dispute over the the boundary. So long story short, this case has made its way all the way to the Supreme Court. Not so much about the murder, because that's really not in question. It's about who has jurisdiction. And the reason this matters is that depending on the ruling, uh, many of the land's in Oklahoma uh, could potentially become Indian reservations, so there's incredible vested interest uh, in kind of like what the outcome is. So it's just you know kind of an interesting. It's a little bit bureaucratic, but it's it's kind of told in an interesting way. And also, I like anything that's sort of building to uh, some type of like decision. We don't know what's going to happen. I guess the Supreme Court, you know, finishes its session here in the United States sometime in June or July. So um, so I'm, so listen up if you're into that, and then you can, and then you can follow the climactic end of. What happens to all these uh, these various lands in in Oklahoma? So I don't know. It's a, it's mm. a good one. Check it out. Um, That's good. And I'll, I'll just make one other thing. Hey, here at Software Defined Talk, we in, we endeavor to make the sound even better. So I, I feel like maybe we have some musicians out there, people that you know like to create music or something. So if anyone has created sure. a small uh, set of music that we could use, I don't know, as an intro, as an outro, or something in between, like you should send it to us and we'll, we'll definitely put it on here and we'll even give you credit. We won't pay you anything. We have no money for that, but we can <laughs> give you...
1: you an exposure,
0: <laughs> but we can, yes. <laughs> we, we, it's just like, you know, uh, licensing your music for a commercial. In this case, you get no money and you just simply get a mention at the end. But I, I don't know, you know, it's a creative community out here. A lot of, I always feel like software developers and music. Somebody's always That's, doing something. Uh, um, yeah. So someone, sure. Hey, send me some music and we'll work it into the show somehow. I think we, we can Wait. do it now. We're getting better. Yeah,
1: definitely uh, uh, did that when I when I hosted um, the Food Fight podcast. Okay. We put out a call for for music, and one of our, one of our listeners uh, quite creatively, you know, took a little bit of Food Fight from uh, Animal House and mixed it into uh, some house music, and there you go.
0: All right. Well, I like it. Well, someone do something like that. Some some of you, one of you very creative people send it our way. All right, Matt. And with that, we will talk to you next time. Bye bye.